See, some of you, you give up too soon. We need a church that's relentless. That'll say, I'm going to keep pressing after God. I don't care what comes in my way. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep pressing. You have the master key that unlocks the door to victory. You have the master key that unlocks the door to healing in your marriage. You have the key that unlocks the door to peace in your life. Something about that voice of someone in your ear saying, hey, there's more for you. You can surrender a little more. You can trust a little greater. But what you were stuck in did not consume you. You made it out. What you thought was going to kill you did not kill you. You made it out. And guess what? You didn't make it out in your own might. You didn't make it out in your own power. You did not make it out in your own ability. The only reason you made it out is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 3, we'll start at verse number 1. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. If you need some time to find it, say, hold up. All right, I heard that hold up. I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> it's going to be on the screen. Also, an honor to have my father here with me, Robert Madu Sr. Help me thank God for my pops. I preach better when he's here. And if you've ever heard me preach, you know that I say that my dad is the reason that I'm African-American. Like, I don't want that to slip by you. I'm for real African-American. I say that because he's from Nigeria. Uh, he came to America, met my mom, who's American. So when your father's African and your mom's American, that makes you, y'all the smart class. I'm African-American. So this American me talking, I can switch over to African at any moment. Any moment. You don't believe me. It is so good to be here at City of Life Church. Oh, God is going to do something on this night two of the revival. If you believe it, say amen. I told you, okay, African-American, and I can just vacillate between the two. <laughs> Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, starting at verse number 1, and look at what it says. It says, one day, one day, it's already good, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get a little something-something from them. And Peter said, Silver or gold, I do not have. First thing Pete says is, I ain't got it. How many of you know, that's where most people actually get stuck in life. Most people get stuck at what they do not have. And have you noticed that the enemy is proficient at reminding you what you don't have? Oh, am I the only one? Ever been just scrolling through the gram and heard the enemy in your ear going, you know you ain't got that, you ain't got that, you sure ain't got it like that. He loves to tell you what you do not have. But I'm so thankful that Peter didn't stop there. Thank God for that comma. He goes, but what I do have. Pete said, I got something. I got something. Would you help me preach this revival night? Look at somebody next to you, whichever neighbor you like the best. Come on, tell them you got something. 
Oh, come on, some of y'all didn't even look at your neighbor. You know I can see you. Come on, encourage your neighbor. Let them know you got something. Yeah, you got something. He goes, what I do have, that's what I'm going to give you. And I'm not giving it in my name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whew. Walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Can you say amen? Ooh, that is good all by itself. But I want to preach you tonight, and I know this is a word for somebody. I want to use this as a title, The Beauty of Being Stuck. The Beauty of Being Stuck. Look at your neighbor one last time and say, oh, neighbor, there is a beauty to being stuck. Ooh, let's pray before we jump into this. It's going to be a long prayer, uh, but just bear with me. Would you bow your heads? God, you are awesome. Speak tonight. Amen. The beauty <laughs> of being stuck. Has anybody been to an airport lately? Can I see your hand if you've been to an airport lately? Quite a few of you. If you lifted up your hand, then you are acutely aware of the fact that what I basically just asked was, has anybody been to purgatory lately? Has anybody been to hell and back lately? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, how many know it can be hard to travel? It can be stressful to travel. As a matter of fact, after almost 15 years now of full-time itinerant ministry and approaching upon some four million miles flown, I am fully convinced, fully convinced that if you really wanna test your faith, just book a flight, okay? Book your flight, okay? If, if you really think you're full of the spirit, fly spirit, and then come holler at your boy because it is it's hard in these traveling streets. People, the Bible says, the Bible says that the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Don't forget that last one, self-control. If you are a believer, then that fruit should be evident in your life. However, if you're here tonight and you're like, man, Robert, I got all that fruit, but you've never flown before, how do I say this? I don't believe you. I do not believe you because the airport is designed to suck the fruit of the spirit out of you. The whole airport system is orchestrated to make you lose your sanity and your Christianity. People, people, the lost baggage claim desk, the lost baggage claim desk is really just a test to see if you won't say words that you're not supposed to say. Yes, yes, the reason the person behind the counter is moving at a glacial pace and is typing one word per minute and seems to be undisturbed and unperturbed by the fact that you paid them a fee to lose your bag is because that person wants to quietly giggle on the inside when they make you go off in public and speak in a tongue that needs no interpretation. Come on, can we be real at Revival Night? Just saying. <laughs> 
It's hard to travel. So as a consequence over the years, I've developed what I call Robert's Rules of Flying, okay? And I won't bore you with all of them, but I'll just give you one. One of my rules of flying is I do nonstop flights only. Okay, I am not about that connection life, okay? I'm a non-stop ninja. Just take me from Dallas to my destination, okay? The only problem with my rule is there's just some places in life, if you're going to go, you will have to stop and make a connection. Oh, that'll preach right there. And so the challenge for me happens when my departing flight is late. I've got to connect in another city. And by the time I get the, to the connecting city, I have 1.5 minutes to get to my connecting gate. And to add to that, I landed at gate A1. And my connecting gate is at gate Z99. And I got 1.5 minutes to get to gate Z99. People, at this point, I only got three options, okay? I can miss my flight, ain't gonna happen. I can call for that cute little cart to take me over there, ain't gonna happen. Or I can put my Orange Theory Fitness to the test and run like Usain Bolt with all I got to make this flight. This happened to me last week in Chicago. I am running with everything I got, just trying to make this flight. And I love what will happen often as I'm running, I will see something in the distance. I will see something that will remind me of the goodness and the favor of God. I will see something in the distance that lets me know that God is still in the miracle working business. I will see something that lets me know that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you may ask or think. I will see one of those moving walkways. Have you ever seen those before? Those moving walkways. I'm about to have church because I love a moving walkway. See, to me, a moving walkway is just like the favor of God. Because when you start walking on that moving walkway, how many know it will expedite your journey? It'll get you there quicker than you could in your own strength, on your own ingenuity. I love a moving walkway. But the only problem though with the moving walkway, the only frustration with the moving walkway, my only issue with the moving walkway are the people on the moving walkway who won't know what is wrong with y'all. No, for real, that's why I came to Revival Night. I want to know, why are you standing with your big old suitcase that should have been checked? Why are you standing on the move in one way? People, this is a huge issue in our nation that nobody's talking about, okay? You want my vote in 2020? Take care of these people who are standing on the move in one way. It's gotten so bad they had to put up signs for segregation. Come on, you've seen the sign that says, stand left, walk right. Only problem is the walkway is only about this big. So I wish they would put up a new sign. Walk left, stand, go home, and never fly again. It's frustrating. <laughs> People standing on the move and walkway. And I think my frustration with you people who are here tonight. <laughs> It, it, it's, it's not that you're standing. That's not my issue with you. If you were standing at any other place in the airport, I would be cool with it. I think my frustration stems from the fact that you have brought stagnation on a mechanism that was made for movement. Yeah. I think 
my annoyance stems from the fact that you have brought stagnation and stuckness on something that was created to move you faster. And anytime you have stagnation in a place that was made for movement, you will always have frustration. Oh, come on, ladies and gentlemen, this is traffic. Come on, I, I don't mind sitting down for an hour looking out of a window, listening to the radio as long as I'm in my house. That's catching a vibe. I don't want to do it in my car on the highway. Come on, how is it I can sit in one spot for hours and watch a whole Netflix series for hours in the same spot? But if I'm on the runway on the plane at DFW and we sit there for more than 40 minutes before we take off, how many you know I'm about to hijack that plane? Because stagnation in a place that was created for movement will always create frustration. And I'm wondering tonight if the reason you are secretly frustrated with where you are is because you know that your life has become stuck and stagnant when you serve a God that created you for movement. Oh, I'm going somewhere tonight. Could it be possible? Could it be plausible that the reason you are annoyed with where you are right now is because you know that you have gotten stuck when God did not create you for that. He created you for movement. You do know that God is a God of movement. He has taken you somewhere. You think we're having revival nights because we ain't got nothing else to do? No, it's because this is preparing you for where God has taken you to. He is moving you from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from Strength to strength, he is a God of movement. Ooh, that's why the Bible says that the steps of the righteous, not the stagnation, the steps of the righteous are ordered by God because God is a God of movement. Ooh, you don't believe God is a God of movement? You better back that thing up to the book of Genesis. The first thing God shows us is that he is a God of movement. Give us the scripture for it, Robert. I'll give you the scripture. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The first thing God did was to move. In fact, to me, all of creation was really just the commencement of a symphony where God, the cosmic conductor, pulled out his omnipotent baton and just began this melody of movement. Look at creation. Everything he made had to move. Everything he created had a cadence. Nothing he made stood still. Everything he created had to move. He said, let there be light. Put the whole solar system in place. And once it was all there, he goes, oh, no. Y'all can't stay like that. Get to moving. And all of a sudden, everything started moving. Even right now, we're moving. You can't feel it. Everything he made had to move. He said, let there be water. <sighs> Created water and then told the water, get to moving. You can't be still water. That's mosquitoes. Get to moving. Everything he made had to move. Every animal had to get to moving. Created a cheetah and told that cheetah, get to moving. Everything he made had to move, created a turtle, and even the turtle had to get to moving. The turtle was like, God, I'm an introvert. You know, I don't want to come out of my shell. He's like, no, you still got to move. You don't have to be as fast as the cheetah, but you still got to get to moving. 
everything God made he had to move he reached down in dirt created man breathed into him the breath of lies and guess what the heart started doing everything had to move that's why still today when you go to the doctor he puts in his headphones and he checks you know what he's checking he's making sure that that was created in Genesis is still beating and if there's an irregularity in the beat that means there's something wrong in your body oh this is why I give God praise every morning that I wake up I'm just thankful that my heart is still beating in my chest that I still got breath in my lungs that's enough for me to give God some praise. I need somebody to just take 10 seconds and give God some praise like you're thankful there's breath still in your body. Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything God made had to move city of life you don't believe God is a God of movement two-thirds of his name is go some of you get that tomorrow people he defeated death hell and the grave he's about to ascend to the right hand of the father and the disciples are like hold up can we get like a commission a great commission or something because oh you want a commission all right go to all the world Preach the gospel to every living creature. God is a God of movement. The tension occurs because we have a God who's a God of movement, but yet humanity has this tendency and this proclivity to always get stuck. Come on, have you noticed this about us? <laughs> oh, we love to get stuck. I'm not even talking about sin. I'm just talking about practical things like you generally sit in the same seat in the same section every time you come in here. Come on, you go to the same four restaurants. The kids already know we go in the same place. Yep, uh-huh. You don't even know that the coffee shop around the corner from the one you go to has much better espresso. But you'll never know because you go to the same coffee shop. Ooh, we have this tendency to get stuck. In fact, I'd even argue theologically that all that is wrong with the world today is because humanity got stuck. Adam and Eve, they got stuck. They did not keep it moving. They got stuck at the wrong tree, listening to the wrong voice, so they made the wrong choice. And now we are reaping the ramifications of the decision that they made when they got stuck. And intrinsic in our DNA is this sickness of stuckness. Ooh, I'm preaching better than y'all are talking in here tonight. My, my text tonight, and I hope I don't bore you, my text tonight is in Acts chapter 3. But I bring up Adam and Eve getting stuck in Genesis chapter 3 because there is a synergy between Acts chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 3. And if you look at Acts chapter 3 just from a micro level, which you will, all you're going to see is a man who was lame from birth outside of the temple gate. And one day Peter and John, full of the Holy Spirit, lift him up and he gets access into the temple no longer a beggar. But if we widen the lens of this text and really look at it from a macro level, I submit to you that this man is really just a picture of the spiritual condition of humanity. Because remember, he's lame from birth. And this is what sin did to humanity. Sin made all of us spiritually lame. Oh, you do know you're spiritually lame. 
Oh, you were born spiritually, like lame from birth. Well, Robert, I'm a good person. No, lame from birth, from birth. Have you noticed nobody had to teach you how to lie? Nobody had to teach you how to steal. You did not take a single class on selfishness. <laughs> By the age of two, you perfected mine. Lame from birth. This is what sin did to us. It made us lame from birth. We had no access to the presence of God. So when Peter and John lifted him up, that's a picture of what the cross did. The cross lifted me up and gave me access to the throne of grace. How many are thankful tonight that you don't have to be a beggar? Now you have an inheritance. You are who God says you are. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. Not because of what you did, you were lame, but because of what he did on the cross and his efficacious blood gives me access to the place I didn't have access to. So there is a synergy between Genesis 3 and Acts chapter 3, but in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve took of that forbidden fruit, in that moment, humanity got stuck. And this is not in the Bible, this is kind of my exegetical imagination. Um, I can be creative. I'm here with Pastor Jeff. So I, I think what happened, I think what happened that when Adam and Eve took that forbidden fruit and all of humanity got stuck, I think God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit called an executive Trinity team meeting. All three, but one at the same time. All three of them called the meeting. And God the Father was there, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And God the Father looks down. He goes, oh, y'all see what I see? And they stuck. You know, they can't get themselves out. So one of y'all going to have to go down there and get them out. And immediately Jesus looks at the Holy Spirit and says, well, can't nobody move like you, so why don't you go down there and get them out? And the Holy Spirit is like, no, Jesus, don't play, don't play, don't play, don't try to mess up the Bible. You know I'm Acts chapter two, you Matthew chapter one. No, 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 don't do that, Jesus. You the Savior, you go down there and get them out. And Jesus is like, you're right, you're right, I'm tripping. And Jesus gets on the balcony of heaven, jumps off the balcony of heaven. It was a 42 generation jump. And he lands in the womb of a virgin named Mary. I'm at Christmas. And all of a sudden, her fiance Joseph says, girl, we need to talk. You've been tripping lately. She's like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to tell you some stuff. He's like, what stuff you've been trying to tell me? Because you've been so distant lately. You don't want to get married? She's like, no, it's not that. It's just, oh, how do I tell you this? Oh, no. Just give me your hand. Give me your hand. And takes Joseph's hand and puts it on her stomach. And he goes, oh! Something just moved. She goes, yeah, that's what he does. All of a sudden, there's tension in their relationship. So she calls her pregnant cousin, Elizabeth. She takes an Uber to her pregnant cousin, Elizabeth's house. And when she meets Elizabeth, they both waddle up on each other like two penguins in Alaska meeting for the very first time. And her pregnant cousin, Elizabeth, said, girl, you ain't going to believe this. She said, I haven't felt my baby move in weeks. But as soon as you got out of that car, girl, my baby started kicking and moving and rolling around. I don't know what's on the inside of you, but it's making something move on the inside of me. And Mary said, girl, that's what he does. All of a sudden, Elizabeth looks at her and says, girl, I cannot believe you took an Uber down here, Mary. You are pregnant. And Mary goes, yeah, and the Uber driver was weird too. Elizabeth goes, what was his name? Mary goes, John. Elizabeth goes, hmm, I like that name. Fast forward 30 years later, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the cool of the Jordan. And please believe the Jordan River is still moving from the same cadence of creation. 
And John almost drowns a dude in the waters. He's baptizing him because he looks in the distance and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I was telling y'all about. I'm baptizing you with water, but he's going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I feel like preaching in here on revival night. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, John and Jesus meet in the water, and one of John's disciples low-key goes, you know this guy? And John is like, of course I know this guy. And what's crazy is the first time we met, we were in water. <laughs> now we're meeting again in water. This must be a destiny moment. I have to decrease so that he may increase. He baptizes Jesus. He hears the voice from heaven. Jesus starts moving in the earth, dies on the cross, gets him from the grave, ascends back to heaven, and the Trinity executive team meeting is readjourned. And the Holy Spirit and God the Father look at Jesus and go, man, you killed that thing. And Jesus goes, you know, I did the best that I could. And then they look at the Holy Spirit and said, it's on you. He said, I know. And the Holy Spirit gets on the balcony of heaven jumps off and lands in the upper room Acts chapter 2 all of a sudden a sound as a mighty rushing wind fills that place and people got full of the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance Woo! and in that room they got power to be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in that room was Peter and John. Now I'm on my text. By the way, I just gave you the whole Bible like in 10 minutes. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Peter and John were in that room full of the Holy Spirit. And they say, hey, man, we just got power to be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we may as well start in Jerusalem. Peter and John say, hey, let's go to church. Let's go to revival night and let's pray. So we got Peter and John walking to church together to pray. Ooh. Peter <laughs> and John walking together to church to pray. Peter and John together? Quick question, why are they still hanging out? You know, they don't have to hang out anymore. Jesus has already ascended. The only thing that connected them was that Jesus handpicked them. He selected them. They don't have to hang out anymore. Why in the world are Peter and John walking together to church? Ladies and gentlemen, you realize one of these things is not like the other. Come on, this is a walking contradiction. Peter and John, first of all, Peter is much older. John is younger. Let me bring it to the 21st century. Um, John is on Snapchat. <laughs> Peter's still checking his Facebook. Peter <laughs> and John, people, John is an introvert. He's an introvert. He thinks before he speaks. He's very pensive. Peter is an extrovert. He's going to say something crazy and apologize later. People, John is a lover. Peter is a cusser. 
Okay. When John got ready to express his love for Jesus, he just put his head on the chest of Jesus. He loved to cuddle with Jesus. When Peter got ready to express his love for Jesus, homeboy pulled out a knife, a switchblade, and cut a dude's ear all the way off. Jesus like, what are you doing, Peter? Peter's like, I'm ride or die, Jesus. I don't know about them, but I'm ride or die. I'm with you. Peter and John together. I'm just trying to figure out. I'm just trying to figure out how a gangster and Gandhi are going to church together. This makes no sense at all. They are a walking contradiction. Oh. And maybe that's the point. Understand, this is the first miracle. The healing of this lame man is the first miracle after the birth of the church. This is not an ordinary miracle. This is a prototype miracle where God is showing us the power and the pattern through which he moves through the church. They are a walking contradiction because perhaps God is trying to get the church to understand that what the culture calls a contradiction the kingdom calls collaboration. Oh, I wish y'all would help me preach it here tonight. What the culture sees as the greatest point of contradiction in the kingdom of God, it is the greatest place of collaboration. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how revival is going to break out in the church today, is when the world sees surface level contradictions, but realizes that the church, in spite of the contradiction, knows how to collaborate so that lame people can get up for the glory of God. Oh, what the culture calls a contradiction. In the kingdom, it is collaboration. And I know some of y'all don't like that because you just want to hang out with people that think like you, walk like you, talk like you, vote like you. But I'm telling you, our power is not in our similarities. Our power is in our differences. And in spite of our differences, if we can just get together and agree that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that there are no lost causes, that we got to rescue people. Come on, that's what collaboration does. Oh, I feel God in this place tonight. Collaboration. Collaboration. Come on, the enemy is not afraid of a big church. We got churches on every corner. He's afraid of United Church. He's afraid of a church that would actually collaborate in spite of the surface contradictions. And I feel this is a prophetic word for somebody before these elections come and church people start losing their mind. Well, I'm a Democrat. Well, I'm a Republican. Well, I'm black. Well, I'm white. Well, I'm old. Well, I'm young. It's not about the contradiction. It's about our ability to collaborate. In spite of the contradiction. Woo. I believe this word right here. Pastor Jeff, I'll never forget. I'll never forget before I proposed to my wife, Taylor, who was super fine. I, uh, there was a pastor, and I, uh, I really actually looked up to this pastor. I'll never forget it. I was about to propose to Taylor. I was at a conference, and this pastor pulled me to the side at the conference, and he said, uh, hey, I hear you're about to propose to Taylor. I said, yes, sir. He goes, uh, 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 you know she white. I said, yes, sir. I, I noticed. He 
said, <laughs> he said, he said, you can propose if you want. He said, but let me just warn you. He said, marrying her is going to limit your ministry. He said, I'm just going to keep it real. This is America. He said, you can propose if you want, but just know being in an interracial relationship is going to limit the scope of where God takes you. And I think about what he said, and then I look at how God has opened up doors literally around the world. I have preached on almost every continent. And I think back at what he said was a contradiction was the greatest place of collaboration and God is using us around the world. That's not even the shouting part. Can I show you the shouting part? Do y'all have that picture of my little humans? Put that picture up there because you know I, where's that? Huh? That's the shouting part? No, you don't understand. We made that. Oh yeah, I couldn't have done that by myself. That right there? Woo, that's a collaboration. Look at the beauty that came out of a collaboration in spite of a surface level contradiction. I wonder, I wonder how much beauty we would see in the earth people would just collaborate instead of focusing on surface level contradictions. Wonder how many lame people could actually get up if the church would understand the power of collaboration in spite of a contradiction. Isn't it crazy that the first miracle after the birth of the church was a collaboration between one disciple, hear me, who had a big heart and another disciple who had a big mouth. And perhaps it was the compassion of John that noticed the lame man, but it took the courage of Peter to say, hey, bro, get up. Yo, I still got a knife in my pocket. Get up. Ain't nobody gonna feel sorry for you. Get up. And John's like, Peter, love. <laughs> Collaboration. Collaboration collaboration. I can't just talk about Peter and John as awesome as the collaboration was. Because come on, the star of this text is this lame man. And Pastor Jeff, whenever I preach a message like this, I will sit like this. No, because I, I want to feel even if it's just for a moment who I'm preaching about what they had to go through. Can you think, even in our current context, we don't understand what many of our disabled brothers and sisters go through? Can you imagine in biblical antiquity with no hover-rounds, no wheelchairs, it was the epitome of being stuck. When somebody dropped you off, you better get comfortable. You're going to be there for a minute. And I thought about this. The only thing, the only thing that didn't work in this man's life were his legs. Everything else worked. His mind worked. Ears worked. Eyes worked. He probably had good teeth. <laughs> All those faculties were intact. The only thing that didn't work were his legs. And that one thing 
affected everything else. It affected his relationships. Because how many know when you're lame, the only other people you can talk to is other lame people. You know why? Because lame recognize lame. It affected his economy. He's got to beg now for money. One thing affected everything else. Some of you in here tonight, hear me. You think you got all these problems? You don't. One thing is affecting everything else. Your bad attitude is affecting everything in your life. Your procrastination is affecting your kids, your wife, your job. One thing affects everything you get stuck and when you get stuck you start developing systems of stuckness you know how to get around you do what you gotta do cause you've been stuck for so long relationships talking to other stuck people hey bro what you gonna do today man same thing probably lay here for a little bit what you gonna do just Stuck conversation. Anybody know what it's like to just be stuck having the same conversations? And some of you have experienced the power of God raising you up when you were stuck for a while and you had systems of stuckness. You had relationships with stuck people. But all of a sudden, maybe it was that blink. Maybe it was in service. All of a sudden, you got up and God gave you fresh vision, fresh revelation, and you're not stuck anymore. And what do you do? You try, don't you? You try to go back and have relationships and talk to the same stuck people that you used to kick it with but the jokes aren't funny anymore you're trying to figure out how in the world did I ever hang out with y'all y'all having the same conversation from 1993 you still going to the club turning up we 45 years old you still doing the same stuff just stuck stuck and then they got the nerve to look at you and go, mm, seem like you changing. Seem like you changing. Oh, yeah, that's the point. Of course I'm changing. I don't want to be who I always was. I want to be who God has created and called me to be. Hallelujah. You better believe I'm changing. Oh, yes, that's the point. That's the point. If I'm the same person at 40 as I was at 20, I wasted 20 years of my life. Yes, hashtag changing all day, every day. Nah, it seems like you changing. You acting brand new. You stuck up. No, I'm not stuck up. I'm just up. You stuck. That's the problem. Y'all not ready for me. Systems. Systems of stuckness. And I know that was my introduction. Um, <laughs> I wish I was not lying. Um, <laughs> the, the thing that drew me to the text, and I never saw this before, Pastor Jeff, I never saw this. The thing that got me about this man was not that he was stuck. It's that the Bible says he was brought in front of the temple gate, the church, if you will, every day. Not just on Sunday. Not on a Wednesday night revival. Every day. Every day they dropped him off in front of the church. Every day. Every day. I looked up every day in the Greek. Guess what I mean? Er day. Every day. So if they drop this man off, hear me, in front of the church every day, 
icon youth. That means there are two people in this text that nobody ever preaches about. Nobody ever talks about. I never preached about them. But if he got dropped every day, oh, they are there in the text. And they're here at Revival Night. Come up on stage. They're going to help me. Where you at? People are going to help me? Yeah. Hurry, because I ain't got that much time. Hurry. Come on. See, everybody talks about the lame man. The lame man. I've never seen a lame man stand. Yeah, there you go. Everybody talks about the lame man. Everybody talks about Peter and John. But how come nobody ever talks about y'all? How come nobody ever talks about Billy and Bob? Because he got dropped every day. You know what that means? That means Sunday they picked him up. Her, picked him up. They dropped him in front of the church. Well, gingerly, <laughs> they dropped him. <laughs> he holds out his cup and bags. Holds out his cup and bags. They went to work, did whatever they had to do. Came right back about 5 o'clock. Come back, come back, come back, come back about 5 o'clock. I'll Steven Spielberg the whole thing if you'll listen. Come on. <laughs> Picked him right back up. Dropped him off at his house. Uh-huh, dropped him off. And then went back to their house. People, that's Sunday. Monday morning, came right back. Picked him up. Dropped him off in front of the church over here. After they dropped him off, he would hold out his cup and bag. They went to work, did whatever they had to do, came right back about 5 o'clock, picked him right back up, dropped him off at his house. Once they dropped him off at his house, then they went to their house. People, that's Monday. Tuesday morning, came right back, picked him up, dropped him off in front of the house, in front of the church, excuse me. You didn't know you were working out of church today. Holds out his cup and bags. They went to work, did whatever they had to do. Came right back about 5 o'clock. Picked him right back up. Dropped him off at his house. Once they dropped him off at his house, then they went home. People. Wednesday, came right back. Picked, I'm playing, I'm playing. No, stay up here. Don't get healed yet. Stay here, stay here, stay here. No, I'm just trying to show you the laborious nature of every day. We didn't even get to Thursday. He's sweating. Every day. Every day. So maybe the first few weeks after every day, they did it out of the kindness of their heart. You know what? They go to City of Life. Maybe they did it a month every day just because they love Jesus. I think one of those days they picked him up. They dropped him off in front of the church. Hold up. He holds out his cup and begs. They go to work. They come back. He's been begging all day. So he ain't broke. And even, you know, Uber's not free. You're sweating. <laughs> I think one of those days they looked in that cup Hey, bro, come on, get your cut. You've been working hard. Come on, get your cut. Come on, bro, get your cut. Come on. Yes. Now pick him up. Ooh, and he's lighter now, ain't he? <laughs> then they dropped him off at his house, and now they're whistling home. And now we have a sick system 
and collaborators to his stuckness. How many know at this point, Billy and Bob don't want him to be healed? They don't want him whole. Why would they? It would affect their pockets. They are the beneficiaries of his dysfunction, of his disability, and his stuckness. And the reason I brought Billy and Bob on stage at Revival Night is to tell somebody, hear me, who is stuck that when you are stuck, there will always be Peters and Johns who want to lift you up and are calling you to the purpose that God has for your life. And there will always be Billies and Bobs who don't want you to be healed, who don't want you to be whole, who are benefiting from your brokenness, and it's a sick, codependent relationship, and they want you to stay down. Oh, and Billy and Bob can be a girl. Billy and Bob can be a woman. Billy and Bob could be anybody. And some of y'all can't say amen because you're sitting next to Billy and Bob, and that's cool. Just look straight ahead and blink real fast and let me know that this is them. They won't know. I'm just saying, check your circle. Because sometimes there are people who are benefiting from your stuckness. Thank you so much. Now you can be healed. I appreciate you. Somebody can come play softly behind me. Hear me. Later we will find out that this system, that whole system of getting picked up, dropped off, that went on for 40 years. 40 years of getting picked up, holding out his cup, making a few bucks, give them their cut, and go back home. 40 years? How many know after 40 years you're just a robot going through the motions? Get picked up, hold out my cup, make a few bucks, Give them their cut. Go back home. 40 years. You know you're stuck when you stop looking up. It's lost hope. No expectation. Going through life, but not living it. Some of you, this is just your job. Go to work. Make a few bucks. Give the IRS their cut. Go back home. Is that why God created you? No, he came that you might have a life and life more abundantly. He brought you here tonight because he wants to break your routine of being stuck. He wants to wake you up. Oh, I love it. After 40 years of that sick system, the Bible says one day, one day. That's why I got excited about it saying one day because after years of being stuck there finally came one day. This is why you cannot give up. This is why you cannot throw in the towel. This is why you cannot take your life because one day, one moment in the presence of God can change your life forever. One day after 40 years one day after just going through the motions one day, 
After just going through the motions, he hears voices full of the Holy Spirit that say, look at us. The Bible says he gave Peter and John his attention. I bet he did. They broke his routine. They broke his system. That's what God wants to do. He wants to break your routine of being stuck. If he can just get your attention. Oh, I'm telling you. If God can get your attention, he will exceed your expectation. That's what he's doing right now. What you're going through is just God trying to get your attention. Because if he can get your attention, he can exceed your expectation. Hear me, miracles start with you just paying attention. Just pay attention. That's how this whole miracle started. Peter and John were the first people after 40 years who didn't just walk over this guy and go into the temple. They were the first people who just paid attention and said, wait a minute. We ain't got to wait till we get in the church for God to do a miracle. We're full of the Holy Spirit. If any two or three of us agree as touching anything, God can do miracles in a parking lot. This man can get up. They just paid attention paid attention the Bible says he gave Peter and John his attention expecting to get something what do you think the something was he was expecting to get money you think he was expecting to walk no after being stuck that long please believe homeboy was not lacing up his Nikes no he was expecting to get money he's like ooh they see me I'm about to get paid today isn't that sad See, this is the danger of being stuck for so long. Sometimes when you've been stuck for so long, you will downgrade your dream to fit your reality. This man was willing to settle for money because he didn't even know that movement was possible. And I don't know who this is for, but somebody you've been stuck for so long that you're starting to downgrade your dream to fit your reality. Don't downgrade your dream to fit your reality when God wants to exceed your expectations. Don't downgrade the dream. Well, no, I guess we'll, I guess we'll never have a good marriage, so we'll just, you know, we'll just, be, we'll just be roommates. No! You can't have a good marriage. A great marriage that reflects the kingdom of God. Well, I guess I'll never have the business God told me to start, so I'll just stay stuck at this job. No! You can't start that business. Well, no, ain't no good men out here. I guess I'll just be his side chick, even though he's married. No! Don't downgrade your dream to fit your reality. Didn't even think movement was possible until Peter goes, watch this, silver and gold, I ain't got it. <laughs> See, you read silver and gold, I don't have it. You start shouting because you know what comes next. Imagine being that guy. And he's like, oh, they finally see me. Ooh, I'm going to get paid. And they're like, we ain't got it. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that his greatest miracle was on the other side of his greatest disappointment? That's why you can't give up too soon. His greatest miracle came after we ain't got it. But what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth.
in the name of Jesus Christ. See, some of y'all are still sitting down because you don't know the power that is in that name, but I wish I had somebody in here that knew there is power in the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Somebody give that name some praise in this place tonight. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Woo! I know Peter's a preacher. Y'all stay standing. Peter's a preacher because he's name dropping. You know preachers love to name drop. You know I know so-and-so. I know so. If you're going to name drop, please drop a name that has the power to get somebody back up again. Drop a name that's got the power to heal the sick. And raise the dead in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. That man got up. Ooh, he started leaping. He started jumping. He started praising God. Watch this. After being stuck for years, he immediately went to jumping and praising and running. After being stuck with people, he didn't watch a YouTube video on what to do when you just got your legs immediately started jumping see that's for somebody because the enemy has lied to you and made you think you've been stuck for so long that you've wasted so many years I came to tell you God knows how to redeem the time he can Disney fast pass that thing and you can get what you never thought you could have hallelujah this dude praised all the way into the church they were having regular ordinary church just mm, little kumbaya service mm. and here he comes hallelujah can you see them going omg he's excited wow <laughs> does not take all of that you can worship like this you laugh i'm in churches all the time you'd be shocked and how people will turn up their nose and give somebody the side eye when they see somebody praising God with passion or praising God exuberantly. Don't you ever judge somebody's praise. You don't know how long they've been stuck. Some of us know where we could have been. Some of us know where we should have been if it had not been for the grace of God. Come on, somebody that knows you shouldn't even be here tonight. I dare you to just take 10 seconds and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Don't judge my praise. You don't know how long I was stuck. God's praising God. And they were there going, oh, it does not take all that. Calm down, bro. Calm down. Wait, 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 wait. I've seen those feet before. They said they recognized him as the same guy that used to sit begging. You want to know the beauty of being stuck? The beauty of being stuck is that one day you can get up. But the beauty of being stuck is that God in his grace will allow the same people who saw you in your lame season will recognize you in your leaping season Oh, come on, and that's when you got to testify and say, yeah, I'm the same one that used to have anxiety and be depressed. Guess what? I got my joy back. I'm the same one who used to be struck out on drugs, but God set me free. I'm the same one. The beauty of being stuck is the ones 
that saw you in your lame season will see you in your leaping season. This man, after being stuck for so long, it started a revival in that whole city. Read it when you get to the house. Peter and John just posted up on old dude, used him as a pulpit, and just started preaching. And thousands of people got saved. It got Peter and John locked up in prison because of him. And then they got a court case. And when they got the court case, it was a public court case. And they aired it on Judge Judy. It's in Acts chapter 4. I want you to see it. Can we put up that verse? This is the beauty of being stuck. This is the public court case. It says they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? You got any more? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Hold on. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, ooh, John, you got some courage too, and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Next verse. But since they could see the man, watch this, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, here's the mic drop, there was nothing they could say. In other words, case dismissed. God will give you a testimony so good that you'll just go. The same God that did it for that man, hear me, is willing and able to do it for you in this place today. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.